0: you know, back in 2016, when we got married, I I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I really didn't. I didn't know farmers. I didn't know female farmers. I didn't know any of this. So I can remember on my lunch breaks at my job, uh, sitting there Googling, what do women on farms do? Because I had absolutely no idea. <music>
1: Welcome to Choosing to Farm, a podcast for first and returning generation livestock farmers and ranchers. To share their stories, find connection, and provide insight into the life of farmers who didn't take the traditional path, I'm your host, Jen Colby. Folks, this is Jen. Thanks for joining us. If you like the podcast, please share it. I've heard from folks this week from New Jersey, Texas, and Maine. Awesome. The truth is that there are people all over who think that they want to be farmers, and they're everywhere. And we want them to come into this life with their eyes wide open. We also want them to know right from the start that they are not alone. This, this topic comes up quite a bit in today's episode, so I think you'll recognize the theme. Seriously though it helps a bunch if you can forward this episode to a friend that you think should hear it. That way we're just going to keep growing our community bigger and bigger. So thank you. So quick announcement before we get started um uh, Five Star Farm Stays is a four-week online course starting February 13th. Uh, this course is structured for farmers and ranchers considering overnight stays as an additional way to bring in farm income. It's something that I've done, and I created this course in order to help other farmers and ranchers. So it's a combination of modules to take at your own pace, because I know this life, and live meetings with plenty of opportunities to ask questions, because I know you all as well. Um, We've had folks join in from around the country. So there's as much to learn from each other as there is from um, me or the materials that are that are there. So there's a lot to learn from each other. So details are in the show notes. And you can if you scroll down that landing page, you will find a deep discount code before February first. So jump on that. So today's episode with Caitlin Dubin was recorded last spring, and I am just a deep fan of her work, her motivations, and just the way she's embraced becoming a farmer, which is something that she never planned on, even when she married into a farm. Um, It was a huge bonus to get some of that perspective and a little bit unexpected when I contacted her. But I'd actually contacted her because of her podcast, which I hope that you all listen to and subscribe to. It's called the Rural Women Podcast. We all have a lot to learn from one another, whether we're in the eastern U.S. or western Canada or the many places in between. So here's Caitlin in our conversation.
0: My name is Caitlin Dubin. I am a first generation farmer uh, in the sense that I married into agriculture. So I fell in love with a farmer and married him back in 2016. And I moved out to our family's multi generational. Uh, grain and oil seed operation in Southern Alberta. So I did not grow up in agriculture in any means. Um, I grew up in a very egg central location, uh, but that doesn't mean I knew where my food came from. So uh, I didn't know anything about farming. I didn't know anything about livestock and it was never my intention to actually be an active member of the farm. I had a career off of the farm and it was you know, not really interesting to me about growing food, but I thought, you know, maybe uh, I would learn to love it a little bit more. Uh, And eventually I have. So, and I've since then left my nine to five career many years ago now and uh, jumped with my boots on and learned what it is to be a farmer.
1: So how do you interface with the farm as it is now?
0: So Sorry. Do you mean how do I farm now, or what do I do on the farm now? Yeah, it's like how
1: how is it has it evolved over time? If you really weren't involved in the farm, and now that you are much more involved in the farm, what does that look like now?
0: Yeah. So initially, like I said, it was not my intention to be doing much on the farm. Uh, I started kind of dipping my toe into going outside and venturing around mostly just following my husband around and seeing what it was that he was doing and you know while we were dating I would come out here after my job and go for a romantic tractor ride and it'd be so fun and I'd just get to go home and I wouldn't get to see any of the behind the scenes but Honestly, I always laugh and say it all started with learning how to drive the ride on lawnmower to mow all of the grass out here. I think the first time it took me about nine hours to mow all of the grass, and now I've got it down to like a solid six. So, oh my God, it kind of started (laughs) uh, that first summer that I was out here. And by the end of that summer, I was driving the swather and I was knocking down our winter wheat. And that's when I was hooked. So now I kind of just do a multitude of different things. I'm, I like to refer to myself as the B team. Like I get called in when, uh, you know, the experts aren't available and I get to run the equipment. I get to drive the tractors. My job at harvest is, uh, driving the grain cart. And, uh, I'm actually the grain carts, a newer piece of equipment on the farm. And I'm the only person out here that actually knows how to operate it. And uh, you're the A team. (laughs) I guess so. I guess. So that's at least how, um, my husband likes to convince me I should keep coming out and doing it anyways. That could be what he does, but yeah. So it's kind of a multitude of things. I get to do a little bit of office work. Um, but yeah, I'm basically the go-to of whatever needs to get done. And I, I get asked to get it done. So (laughs) I love that. So yeah so this is interesting because I was I
1: was um, I was gonna ask you some questions about like what's what's been the interface of like expectation around you um, as the non non farmer and your husband as farmer because I'm in you probably don't know this but I'm in sort of an opposite position like I'm I'm the farmer, the livestock farmer and my husband is not a farmer and so we talk a lot about or you know we've had to interface a lot over the last 20 years. Uh, between like, what are the expectations placed on him and what are the other, you know, and what does he not want to do, which is most, mostly of it because he's not a livestock person. Um, I'm just curious, like in your family dynamic, partnership dynamic, like how's, how's that been worked out over, over time?
0: That is such a good question. And uh, it gets worked out more and more every day, I think. Um, my husband is such a patient man, and he is pretty understanding, or more understanding now, I should say, about maybe the fears or the reluctancy that I've had in the past to actually learn some of these new things. Um, for most of my life, I was not a big uh, fan of change. I liked things the way that they were. I liked things to be on a schedule. Um, so I've had to be more flexible and flexible and learning and growing here on the farm. So he's been really great at, uh, if I wanted to learn something, he's more than willing to show me how to do it. Um, and you know, with the growth of my own business, my podcast and all of these other things, you know, that's taken me away from, you know, more hours that can be spent in the field and in the farm. So having to juggle those and, you know, meet both of our expectations of what that looks like um, and knowing that things are seasonal. So we definitely have seasonal that are busy currently right now, we're in the middle of seeding. uh, So that is a very busy time. It's very dry. uh, So we're having to use our pivots and irrigation a lot. Um, So it's, it's a balancing act and it's a lot of um, it comes back to communication and, you know, communicating what those expectations are, what needs to be done, what the priority is, uh, and then just working together between the two of us and with the rest of our team. Uh, to get those things done
1: I'm so glad that you mentioned communication because that's been a big part of our sort of expectation management too (laughs) sometimes that really is um I can't do that right now or you know how can we do it differently um yeah Uh, so so what are some of the things that you you guys have rearranged um you know, have you shifted different things just to sort of make them work better for each other?
0: Yeah, I would say definitely shifting things around, and for me specifically with uh, my business and podcast, like I am. Um, I'm a morning person. So I love the mornings. I feel most creative then. So that's when I'm actually able to come in my office and do the work that I need to do here. And then in the afternoon, once he's kind of organized uh, what's going on for the day with our crew and everyone else, then that's when I can kind of step in and see what needs to be done that day. Uh, And then, you know, I think just being flexible has been, the biggest change and the biggest accomplishment for me, if I'm being honest, because I don't know, I'm pretty stubborn. So (laughs) like I said, I like things. I don't like change and I like things done a certain way and all of those things, but being flexible and, uh, you know, knowing that things need to get done. And those are the priorities, especially on the farm um, not growing up in agriculture, you don't realize the severity of what the priorities can be. Um, we have one shot to make a paycheck each and every year. And if the seed doesn't get in the ground, you know, we're kind of hooped. Uh, we don't have a lot of livestock to fall back on. I don't think my, uh, two meat goats are going to do it for us here <laughs> on the farm. So <laughs>
1: This is a vastly different world than I'm used to because we don't do a lot of grain growing in this region in in the Northeast of the U S so, wow. Yeah. The one, one paycheck a year is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I, so just on that tangent, I'm just sort of curious, like, um, so how do you, how do you guys manage that like on a business side? So like our, our podcast, our group, it really, it is, it is aimed at first generation folks, but it's really intended for all different folks to sort of think about sort of the personal side of farming and ranching and, um, and that includes the business and it includes humans and it includes mental health, it includes lots of those kinds of variety of things. But just from the business side, many of our, our listeners are folks who are doing diversified livestock and so there are multiple opportunities throughout the year so there are ways to budget for different things coming at different times but when you're focused on and this could also be you know this could be also a a ranch that's really only shipping animals once a year too but I'm curious on your side how how do you guys manage one paycheck a year like if everything is is culminated that one time
0: right what's the rest of the year look like that's a great question um for us a lot of it if I'm being honest and this comes from a really humble place of privilege the advantage of being a multi-generational operation is huge right so there is that collective wealth of land and equipment and all of these things that have been able to be built up over the years, but that's taken a lot of work. I think we're still doing the math on this, but uh, we believe that the farm has been in this family for at least 75 years or coming up on 75 years. Um, But the way that the business was operated 75 years ago to where it is today, just the vast amount of technology and the vast amount of investment and all of those things have built up over those years. So that really gives you a nice, a nicer nest egg to be able to operate. But a lot of large operations, and by no means are we the biggest operation in our area, we're actually, I would say closer to a medium size. Um, You know, there are lots of there's lots of lines of credit. There are lots of things that help people run their operation year to year. And when you experience years that are really thin, when you have these droughts or when you have, you know, really wet springs that you can't get your seed in the ground, those are the kind of nest eggs that people have as well as crop insurance and all of those kinds of things. Um, So for me, I can't necessarily speak on, uh, the operating lines of credit. Those are outside of my pay grade. Those are for the upper management of the farm, AKA my husband and my mother-in-law. But, uh, yeah, those are just kinds of, those are the kinds of things that, you know, as I myself am a first generation, but I am on an operation that is not a first generation. So they have had to build their wealth and their land and their equipment and technology and everything over the last 75 years. So for the first generations that are out there listening right now, um, it's a long game. It definitely is. And, you know, the years that are really thin, I know there are folks who had off-farm jobs or have off-farm jobs now. And it seems always funny to me to hear, yeah, I work off the farm so I can come home and work on the farm uh, to make it viable and to make it something that can actually be done. But I think that really speaks to the people in agriculture and their resiliency and their absolute love for this life.
1: Oh, so very well said. (laughs) Um, Okay. So to wanted to go back to a thing that you just said um just thinking about the fact that you married into the to the family and married into a situation that had this this you know this body of work behind it and love and investment and time and commitment um which is a really you it is a really great place to be in certain ways but I'm just kind of curious like coming from a completely different background have you um have you brought in new ideas or do you feel like you've been able to ask questions that maybe help move them forward because you were simply learning and you were fresh eyes on
0: some of this. I would like to think so. Um, (laughs) that would maybe be more of a question for my husband, but, (laughs) um, it's, it's interesting. And I came in to the operation at kind of an interesting time. So, uh, we, uh, became certified organic back in 2018. Um, so we married in 2016. Uh, so at that point in 2016, we were in the transition process um, to becoming certified organic. 2018 is when we had our first big inspection and all of the things. So um, I came in at kind of an interesting time for my husband in him transitioning the whole entire farm to organic. We don't have any acres, uh, now that aren't certified or in transition to be certified. Um, so I didn't really know what they did before this. Uh, I know while we were dating, it seemed like we had a lot more time in the summer to actually go and do things. Uh, and then when I got here and we were, you know, trying to, transition our land there's a lot more manual labor that goes into this so we don't have a lot of time in the summer now to go and do fun things but i think being on the farm in the summer is the best so um <laughs> we have been learning together and when i say we my husband has been teaching me a lot of methods and a lot of new and exciting things. Um, And the more that I've learned about how to be a good steward of the land, I've been able to come up with different ideas for things like um, we have pollinator habitats in the corners of some of our fields where I get to go. Um, I've planted uh, native trees and shrubs and flowers in those areas to attract more pollinators. Um, I build bee hotels and put them in all around the fields and things like that. So those have been kind of fun and those have been joint efforts. But I think for me, um, one of the biggest things that I've brought to the farm has been my past experience from my previous job um, of being, you know, in a corporate government setting where, you know, we had standard operating procedures and things like that. So kind of bringing more of that business sense of how the others work uh, in HR and that kind of thing, that's been, I think, helpful in opening up. Different ways that we can manage people and helpful ways. We do things like employee reviews, employer reviews, which um, are always interesting to see what the employees have to say about the bosses. Uh, oh,
1: I love that. employee yeah,
0: in, reviews. Oh, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we do, we do swaps. That. You know, if, if we get to tell them how they're doing, they can tell us how we're doing. Um, and just keeping that communication open. So I think those have been some of the things that are different, that didn't necessarily happen, but you know, the projects like the pollinator habitats and those kinds of things, those are joint efforts that I'm super, you know, passionate about and super excited to be a part of.
1: That's fantastic. And that's, I think we can always benefit from the fresh set of eyes. And even if it uh, doesn't always feel super super comfortable at first because it a fresh set of eyes that asks fresh questions or brings in different perspectives also often they make us change. And we don't always like to do that. <laughs> it's not always comfortable to do that. Um, but that's, that's, that's wonderful because it doesn't always, those fresh sets of eyes don't, I think you're a great example of that. They don't have to be around the technical side. They don't have to necessarily, although it sounds like also you are, you know, with pollinator habitat and other, um, you know, New perspectives you're bringing in that way, but, uh, to have there be, um, just new ideas on running the business, new ideas on employee work, new, um, that's just, that's just fantastic. That just helps everybody level up when you bring in those new skills for sure. Yeah. So would you mind sharing a little bit? I, I've become a great fan of your podcast, which is how I even found you in the first place. And I didn't even know that you were part of the demographic of, um, someone who is, who is new to farming yourself. So that's like an extra bonus, but, um, would you mind describing your podcast a little bit and, um, and what, what you do and what you hope to do, and who you talk to?
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, thank awesome. you. Yeah. Um, yeah. My podcast is called the Rural Woman Podcast, and I created the show back in 2019. Uh, and the reason I became a podcaster uh, was because I loved listening to podcasts. And when I was out on the tractor for long hours, uh, I, I love learning, I love listening and podcasts were a way for me to do all of those things while I get my work done. Um, and at the time, I was searching for a podcast that really highlighted and celebrated the stories of women in agriculture. And I couldn't find one that that was doing what I wanted it to do. So this was in the summer of Uh, 2018, actually, I uh, came up with the idea that I was going to start my own podcast doing this. And I came off the tractor that day and I went running up to Justin and I told him my great idea. And he met me with the inspirational quote that I love to quote him on is, um, well, that sounds like it's a lot of work. And Lo and behold, I always like to say he was right. And that's, you know, something that he loves hearing. But uh, <laughs> so I got to work and went to the university of Google and figured out how on earth you're supposed to start a podcast. And that's what I did. So I started interviewing women who I had made connections with online through Instagram. And I honestly, I don't think I had a long-term idea or vision for this, I would be happy if, you know, my mom listened to the podcast and it, it went off like wildfire. It was something that I guess more people needed and more people wanted. So I was able to find women who would who would be willing to talk to me and to share their stories. And I've been doing it ever since then. And, you know, we're reaching, we're getting close to the half million download Mark and it's been heard in countries all around the world. And I cannot be more grateful of the stories of women that I've been able to share. And these are the stories that haven't been heard or these are the stories that women think that, they're not special because it's just what they do. And in my eyes, I think all women in any operation of any size are worthy of sharing their stories. And I just love being able to be the vessel that gets to share them. So I'm always blown away and so grateful, uh, for the stories that have been shared. And I'm so grateful for the listeners who keep coming back to hear these stories again and again, every week. Um, so yeah, that is, that's the gist of the rural woman podcast. We just celebrated our three-year anniversary back in March and, uh, here's to many more. Awesome. Congratulations thank you. Oh,
1: that's just wonderful. And I wish I had known that you existed <laughs> again, because same, same kind of thing, just feeling like there, there aren't enough stories about women, um, farmers and ranchers and out there and, um, and homesteaders. I know that you, do you work with a, 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 possibly like a wider group, um, than I do since we don't focus as much on the small, smaller scale gardeners, homesteaders folks, but um, many of the first gen folks that I interface with and have over the years, I, I, with my background in extension, um, uh, for quite a long time and much of the growth in, you know, folks getting into farming and ranching are women and they don't necessarily realize that there are other women out there doing what they're doing. And so to hear the stories of other people, I think, I think it really adds a lot of It adds some legitimacy. It adds some, um, I am not alone in this. (laughs) I, I, you know, it it adds, it adds a lot of, um, I think it adds to the support system that's available.
0: I totally agree. And it's, it's the community that I crave out of any of this. And, you know, back in 2016, when we got married, I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I really didn't. I didn't know farmers. I didn't know female farmers. I didn't know any of this. So I can remember on my lunch breaks at my job, uh, sitting there Googling what do women on farms do? Because I had absolutely no idea. Uh, and it wasn't actually not long after we got married i actually started sharing my story online and my transition into this farm life so i could build that community because i didn't know anybody close to me uh we had our neighbors and all of those but you know the I knew there were other people out there doing this. So how could I connect with them? And, you know, there's a great group of women online and specifically through Instagram that I've found and continue to grow that bigger table and invite people in. And I want to learn from them. I want to uh, be friends with them. All of those things. Some of my greatest friends now that are farmers don't live anywhere close to me, but it's so great to be able to connect with people who can understand what your life looks like and what you're going through. Um, you know, there's, there's been times over the last six years that, you know, your friends getting married in September and as much as you would really love to be there, you can't. And yeah. for them to understand that or to see it in a different light is, is really interesting. And I think, you know, I, I feel like I've also brought my city friends along with me and I said, this is what we do now. This is what it looks like. And you know, if they would have asked me 10 years ago, what my life would have looked like, (laughs) it wouldn't have been this, but um, yeah, it's pretty special.
1: Oh, I was just listening to one of your, um, one of your episodes with, um, Erica, uh, Mm -hmm. around, around mental health and, um, a thing that particularly resonated, I think this just relates to what you what you were just saying, like is when, um, you know, when a, a, a farmer or rancher is is suffering from depression or stress, and, and I think she was referring to calving season, totally get that. Um, I don't raise cattle, but I totally get that. Um, and working with a, like a conventional mental health person they might say, well, just remove the stress or just m- remove the item that that's causing you the stress. And you're like, but I'm a cattle rancher. Like, mm-hmm. and it's, yeah. Uh, and I, I can't actually remove the cattle during calving. That's sort of the point of why we're even here and just not understanding. Um, and I feel like that is the benefit of these, of, of podcasts and just being able to, to listen in for agriculture professionals for non-farming people for people who think they might want to do this but they're not sure if they want to do this like you don't really know until you're doing it unless somebody is sharing with you the stories and you can then you can better understand what the context
0: is but you don't know what you don't know That is my favorite saying of all time is you don't know what you don't know. And uh, until you are immersed in this lifestyle or until you make that connection with somebody who is as a person who grew up in the city, you have no idea what's going on around you and vice versa, right? There are many farmers and ranchers who don't understand the struggles of people who live in the city who have a nine to five job, right? So I think just be open and willing to listen to everyone and their experiences and, you know, being able to listen to other people's experiences that you can relate to just makes you feel like, okay, maybe I am doing this right, or it's okay to feel this way because, you know, I'm not alone in this and being in agriculture and being rural, you are alone a lot of the time, but knowing that there is a greater community around you, uh, makes that burden uh, a little less.
1: Yeah. Oh, I really, I really get that. Um, one of my recent guests, um, uh, Margaret said, I love listening to the podcast. She, she came on, um, as a listener first, and then became a guest. And she said, I just really enjoy this because there's a bunch of people I'd like to sit around and have a beer with. Yes.
0: Yes. (laughs) Honestly, if we could all just like meet up somewhere and, you know, have a beer, have a cup of coffee, whatever it is, and just sit down. And I've been so lucky to be able to meet some of these people and some of my friends that I met online in person. And it's, the feeling that you can just show up somewhere and somebody gets you is, is really cool. <laughs> yes. So have you, have you
1: been doing meetups and conferences and things around rural women and, and just, what, yeah, I'm just curious. Cause I've wondered about doing that too. And I was like, oh, maybe we could just grow this across, you know, the U S and Canada. And like, maybe we could like get more women
0: meeting up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, through my business and through the podcast, I've been able to do quite a bit of public speaking and with, you know, the pandemic for the last couple of years, a lot of that's been online, uh, but starting to get more in person now. Uh, But I've been super lucky um, to be asked to speak at events and things like that. So it's really great to meet people in person and Uh, I'll be honest. The first time anybody ever walked up to me and they're like, I follow you on Instagram or I listen to your podcast and I'm fangirling right now. I'm pretty introverted. And I was like in my shell, I was like, Oh my God, this is really embarrassing. (laughs) But the more and more that it's happened, the more grateful I am uh, to have this community. And I'm so happy when people come up and say hello, that they know me or anything like that. So yeah, no speaking at a like speaking at conferences and doing, um, you know, just meeting with friends, you know, who I've met online in 2019, I went to a lake in Wisconsin with a group of girls that I had been friends with online. And we just spent a long weekend together and it was amazing. And to explain that to, my dad who's never been online a day in his life, he was pretty convinced that I was going to be murdered. Uh, but it, it all turned out really well and uh, <laughs> So I think any opportunity that rural people can get together is incredible and I encourage you if you have you know conferences that are close to you or even online things that you can meet up in a group. I think yeah. it's really amazing when like-minded people get together and, you know, can commiserate with one another, can celebrate with one another is always a good idea.
1: Yeah, there are some, it, it, it's almost like it, I used to think, so I used to, I used to, uh, organize, I used to be the conference coordinator for, um, uh, uh, grazing livestock, conference that we had in our state that was sort of the biggest one in our little multi-state region um, in the up in the northeast U.S. and uh, my favorite part of the whole thing I'd be working all year long and that the my favorite part was always the Friday night which was the night between the two days in the bar not because of the drinking but because of that connection and just hearing people like sharing stories and just com- and, and making connection. It was like, it was like, we needed that in person for just one night that would get us through the whole year until we could see each other again. And it's amazing how like one night or just a couple of hours together can charge you up and get you through, you know, the dark winter in Vermont, <laughs> you know, months and months until the grass comes again. Um, cause you're not alone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, if we ever get the chance, we should totally, that would be so much fun to meet up.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> yes.
1: uh, so you have had so many guests. I know you've done, um, gosh, 160, 170 episodes at this point. So you've had a lot more um, conversations at, um, than, than I have. I'm just curious, what are some of the things that rise up that are, are particularly. um, What are some of the things that, that rise up for women farmers and ranchers that, that are maybe unique or maybe not, but what are some of the issues that are just really of importance for, for folks who are thinking about getting into this to even think about.
0: Right. Or understand. I think some of the common themes that. I have found particularly speaking to women in agriculture is a couple things. One, the lack of representation. And that is something that I feel has gotten a little better in my time in agriculture. Again, this is from my experience and my perspective, I at the time, didn't see the stories and I didn't see the women who were in these roles and in these positions being highlighted as well as their male counterparts have been. Um, as you know, a female farmer, I've experienced the sales reps coming to the house looking for your husband, or I'll never forget the phone call that I got from whoever salesperson it was their opening line is can i speak to the farmer and i at the time wasn't you know adept to be like oh yeah you're speaking to them um but i was really taken aback and now that i look back on that i just you know for the women who have lived and breathed their operations for Their whole lives to be treated that way um, obviously really rubs me the wrong way. Um, One thing that I want to say to that too is I know there are women in our industry who believe that, you know, the whole female farmer or women in agriculture doesn't need to be a big deal. It just needs to be farmers. But to that, I have to say until all women can have that feeling and feel like that there needs to be that women empowerment because there are producers who are not treated the same, um, as their counterparts. Um, so that representation of female leaders in agriculture, I think has been lacking. Um, but I feel like the more leaders that do share their stories and tell their struggles and how they got to where they are, I think will benefit everyone. Um, I think another big theme that I've seen are women who feel like they are less than, or they feel like they have that imposter syndrome, or they feel like they are not enough and they're not enough of a farmer or a rancher or a mom or a sister or a wife. Um, there are a lot of hats to wear for women in general and for women in agriculture, it adds more hats to it. Um, I know for a long time, I really held pride in titles that I had and, you know, whether that was my business card on my, or the plaque on my desk or the, on my office door or whatever it was when I was in my quote, real job. And then when I got here, I was like, well, what am I? Well, I'm, I'm a farmer's wife, but why is that? Like, why am I a farmer's wife and not a farmer? Um, it took a lot of time and some courage to actually start calling myself a farmer. And I know there are women who take great pride in their title of farm wife and ranch wife. And I love them. And I love that for them. I think women get to choose what we're called. So if you want to call yourself a farmer, that's what you are. If you want to call yourself a rancher, that's what you are. Nobody gets to choose your title for you. And that's what I hope, you know, when I'm having these conversations with women that they take pride in whatever it is that they're doing and they know that it's enough, whatever it is that they're doing. So those are kind of the two big things that I really, over the last three years have taken from this. And it's what really drives me to keep doing what I'm doing. Oh,
1: (laughs) I just love that. That's what resonates so much. Nobody gets to tell you what you, nobody gets to give you. You pick your own title mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and how, you know, what are some of the ways that we can support women farmers or farm wives or you know, we can support women in general to to feel empowered to
0: pick their own titles. right um, Yeah, I think we just need to continue to lift each other up. you know, I think, as women, we can sometimes feel like we are pinned against one another, or we're in competition with one another or whatever it is. And I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I don't think, you know, somebody else winning, takes something else away from me. I think, hell yeah. Like, good for you. I want to share this with other people and inspire them to keep going, to get to where you are. And for me to keep going, to get to the next level of where I am. And I think building a bigger, more diversified table of women is so important because like I mentioned before, I have a lot of privilege to be sitting on a multi-generational operation and if i can help somebody with the knowledge that i can share or if i have something that i can give them i think that goes for everyone if you have something whether it's really small and it's a helpful tip that you learned along the way or you know anything anything that you can share with people and especially in agriculture I think is super important because if one of us grows, we all grow and we have to keep growing. You know, there are more and more people to feed and regardless of the size of your operation, you're probably feeding somebody. And it's (laughs) super important to continue to build our communities and to continue to build the support for one another. Um, You know, there's times in agriculture where it can feel really heavy and that, things are really stacked against us, but I think the more that we share our stories and not as a way to educate people, um, I always get a little crusty when people are like, we're here to educate you. I'm like, I don't want to be educated. You know, (laughs) I don't want, I don't want that shoved down my throat. I just want to learn more about what you're doing. I want to be able to feel comfortable to ask questions of why you do that. Not as a way to accuse you of doing something wrong, but just as a way to learn. So, and I, for me, I learn by people sharing. Um, So I think, you know, to support women in agriculture, And to support agriculture in general, I hope it never goes out of style. Uh, I hope that it keeps growing and continues to build, but, you know, it starts with us and it starts with us sharing our own stories. It starts with us sharing other people's stories and being open to answering questions and building that community and to know, like, and trust one another and our consumers and all of that kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> totally totally we need more of us not not fewer of us exactly yeah yeah, yeah.
1: and it, i i i think about that a bunch and i i think about um we need more of us who don't necessarily um look or act or operate in the same ways as the way we've been doing it for so, for so long, you know, we, we, need, we need more different kinds of people who find their place in agriculture if we really want the system to be stronger and better and healthier and not, you know, just diversified on, on lots of different levels to so more, diverse, more diverse people farming, more diverse kinds of farms, different sizes and scales. And, um, you know, we just need more of us. Totally. How do we get more of us? Uh, (laughs) I just, I remember having a conversation once with um, a a, a colleague of mine in Vermont who was a farmer as well. And, um, and, and she sort of came from a little bit more um, conventional mindset and she was in the dairy industry. And she, uh, she said, well, you know, why is it such a big deal that there's, you know, a fewer farms, we have the same number of cows, and we're actually producing more milk than we were before. So, you know, we've, the product is still there. And I was like, because every farm is a family that's in a community someplace, that's that when that farm goes out of business, or, or there isn't a farmer in that community, it means that that culture is lost. It means that that, um, you know, it means that that the farmer who's like the baseball coach for his kid's team or the farmer who is like serving on the fire department. Like that means that, that, that experience, those people aren't in our communities. Like that's not good. We want more of that, not less of that. And she was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if i convinced her or not but um but it was it was just interesting that's very much the perspective that i come from is like we we need to have lots lots of us and all different sizes and skills is, is, a, is a part of the thread the fabric yeah. yeah for sure yeah oh my god um so many more questions that i would love to ask you but i recognize we don't have all the time in the world but um so you have talked to lots of folks and they're all women who, who are in all different stages of growth and and have had different experiences. Do you get the question of, um, you know, if someone is new to this, if someone is coming into this, how, where would you send them? How would you help them get started? Like, do you get those questions? And if so, how do you answer them? Or how would you answer them? If someone came up to you and said, I would love to farm, Where do I start?
0: That is a good question. And I've actually, I've got, I've received that question a few times throughout my career in agriculture. And for me, I obviously married into it. So I kind of, you know, I got roped into it. But uh, for the folks who do want to start from what I've learned, it's always best to learn from other people. And to learn from people who have been doing this before. And if you can find a mentor in the field that you are interested in, I think that's the best thing you can do for yourself. Um, And whether that's working on their particular operation or just, you know, shadowing them for a day or two, if they'll let you, I think that's probably the most valuable thing that you can do for yourself. If you're looking to get in to the operation you know, I don't think land prices anywhere are ever going to go down. Uh, and if they do, maybe you don't want that land anyways. (laughs) Um, but it's hard. And to be honest with you, looking at it from the outsider's perspective, I don't know how anybody could get into the industry now without some sort of lottery win or backing from somewhere. So, getting into organizations and things like, um, there's an organization here in Canada and it's called the young agrarians and they are a organization who help folks who are interested in working on farms and getting into farming, be matched up on farms and work there as an apprentice, a paid apprentice, um, for the season, the growing season to learn from people who are growing and doing things that they want to do and you know I know there are folks who are older who don't have kids who want to take over their operations and finding those people can be challenging but I know um, folks like the young agrarians they help people find that but like I said being finding a mentor in the field that you're interested in is probably the best thing that you can do for yourself. And honestly, if you are a multi-generational farmer or you have experience and somebody asks you for help, like what an honor that is for you to be able to share that with other people. And I always find it really interesting. Um, And I don't know if it's like this for you or for some of your listeners, There are people in agriculture that can sometimes feel like gatekeepers and they hold things really close to them um, instead of sharing that. And, you know, if that's because of competition or whatever it is, but like I said before, if one grows, we all grow. And I think the more people that have good, solid knowledge and foundation about how to grow food, uh, the better. So find somebody who also believes in that and reach out to them and ask them if they would be willing to mentor you. And I think it's super important for folks who have the knowledge to share that knowledge. Totally. It's
1: not to, not to put too much pressure on the older generations, but it is almost a responsibility to share that knowledge and to hold it too close and to maybe pass away with some of that knowledge and never having shared it, like what a loss that is to the world. Um, yeah, I do feel like there are there are those folks who are gatekeepers. There are those folks who who don't who don't want to necessarily share. And I, I agree it has something to do with, you know, if I hold it close then. I'll have some competitive advantage, or I'll have something, and the th- But the thing is, I, in my experience, the the vast majority of folks are not like that. They actually want their they're excited when somebody asks them, and it feels so intimidating to ask mm-hmm. sometimes. You know, unless you fall into it, like oh, I have this great neighbor, and we start chatting, and you know. Um, You know, my, my, my first farmer mentor, you know, he was a guy I bought hay from, and then I bought some piglets from him and then he became a really good friend. And every single time I, I went to pick up hay from him, I learned something new. Um, and, and it's so funny because it felt intimidating to ask in the beginning and it might for other folks too, just like, I don't want to ask them. They're busy, you know, like they're, (sighs) and most people want to share.
0: Most people want to help. That's been my experience. Yes. Yeah. Mine too. And I've been so grateful for that. And, you know, I've asked you a lot of really stupid questions. So uh, <laughs> that's how you learn though. <laughs> totally. I always
1: feel, it's, I mean, I don't so much now because now it's, it's super not a big deal anymore, but it was so funny. Like I still, I don't own a tractor. I do almost everything with livestock or, or handwork and I, I try to make the livestock do as much of the handwork as possible. Um, and, uh, and so I always feel really sort of silly going to a, to a farm and asking tractor questions. <laughs> I know so very little about tractors and they're so happy to share. They're so happy to share. And they might laugh at me a little bit, but that's okay. That's part of my working on my own self-esteem that it's fine to ask a question that I look a little silly about because then I learn something and it's good. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, uh, I just wanted to clarify like young agrarians. Um, do they do matching um across all different kinds of farms or do they specifically match in particular areas or particular types of farms or just
0: broadly? Uh, I believe they are more of a match for um, organic or naturally grown um, types of operations. Um, from our experience, that's um, what they've been doing. Um, and I believe that is kind of their, their MO. That's what they do. So great. That's great to know. And I'll make sure that in the show notes. So I appreciate that. Um, I had one more question that
1: I wanted to to ask you. So since you started, um, since really you started so heavily, like connecting with people through Instagram, and then have evolved into more direct farming yourself and more connection with other people. Do you find yourself in a position of having to, to like manage the Instagram effect or the social media effect? Like how do you, how do you balance that? Like it's not all sunshine and roses. And at the same time, it's a great way to share your experience with other people. Um, yeah, how, what, what sort of level of reality do you bring
0: into your social media? Maybe that's the operating question. That's a great question. Um, I feel like through the years, I've had a roller coaster of emotions when it comes to social media and what, what its purpose for me is is um and i think for anyone who's on social media sharing a question to ask yourself is why are you doing this are you doing this to uh build a big following are you doing this to make money are you doing this to you know whatever it is become famous i don't know instagram famous uh for me it's to build community um and the best way that I can build community is to show up as who I am, whether that is uh, in a professional way through, you know, if I'm speaking at conferences and doing all of these other things, or if it's me coming home from the greenhouse with another truck full of plants that I'm trying to like sneak in. Uh, so my husband doesn't see that I have another thousand petunias coming through the door whatever it is, right? <laughs> um, yep. For me. I feel like social media is a place for me to connect and it's a p- place for me to learn and grow and learn from other people. Um, and I feel like I have a responsibility to share what I learn and to share what I know. Um, and that can be on a scale from, you know, from farming to injustices around the world and f- food security and all of those kinds of things. So I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty open book. Um, And I think there was a really big turning point for me in social media and knowing what it was and what my purpose was. And that was community building. It wasn't a popularity contest. Um, You know, if I had 15 people who really engaged with me and who really like built a community and those connections, that's what I want. I don't want the masses. I don't want those things. And the vanity metrics that can come with it and the insecurities that people can feel. Um, I've been there. I know that you're not alone in that. Um, but once you kind of get past that hump, I feel like you get into the sweet spot of social media and sharing your story and finding your community. Um, so I encourage people, you know, show up as authentically as you can. And, uh, a saying that I really like is, uh, the trash will let themselves out. Uh, <laughs> So for the people who don't connect with you, who don't understand you, typically they leave. Usually they leave quietly. There's sometimes that there's people that don't, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. The nature of the beast.
1: That's delightful. Oh my goodness. Well, and that's why, that's why the trolls are so easily removed from social media too. Just swipe, you're gone. Yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, oh, I re- I really appreciate that. Cause I think, I think, really similarly like I don't need a huge following or any of that it's just the yeah friends like that that's also ultimately it just feels like building a bigger network of friends
0: yes we're all here to support
1: each other and that's that's really what we're about and and yeah we're not alone (laughs) that's that's sort of the basis of of how I, I fell into my my own Um, podcast was realizing after many years of of doing a thing and, and starting my farm from scratch and skipping a few generations in my family who used to be dairy farmers a few generations back um of just realizing like, oh gosh, wait, I thought I was like this unique example of working a day job and building a farm on the side. And, uh, and then I just met all of these, started to meet all of these other people who had similar experiences. I was like, oh, we are not alone. It's not just, I'm not alone. Like we are not alone at all. So, um, so last question I was going to ask you is, uh, what have I forgotten to ask you?
0: (laughs) Uh, I I feel like I have covered most of everything in my agricultural life here with you today. So I think you've done a bang up job asking all of the good questions. So some of them made me think.
1: Oh, good. <laughs> this is the this is always the goal, of course. Yeah.
0: <laughs> appreciate that. Oh, I totally appreciate that.
1: Well, I really, really appreciate your time today, and um, and I love having met you, and I I would love to meet you in person at some point as well, and yeah, figure out more meetups with women, farmers and ranchers and, um, and women in agriculture is just absolutely huge. I particularly loved the episode you did, um, a few episodes back with Sarah also around leadership, um, in, you know, women and building leadership in, in, um, rural communities as well. I think that that is just absolutely huge.
0: Yes, for sure. And, you know, I really, I truly believe that we are all leaders in our own sense and, If you've felt inspired by anything that you've heard or that other women are doing, take that as fuel to your fire and build something that, uh, benefits us all. Totally. I love it. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thanks for joining today. Thank you so much, Jen, for having me. It's been so great.
1: Oh my goodness. What a lovely person (laughs) Caitlin is. (laughs) It is funny because it's been, it has been a few months since we recorded that conversation and I've felt really guilty off and on about how I, how I should have released it before now and then I got busy and the summer happened and as it does and listening to it again was such a great reminder that, that we're enough um, and that things happen when they're supposed to. And I know that that's not what we often think in agriculture. We always think it has to happen now, it has to be done now, or it should have should happen 20 minutes ago. Um, and that, you know, we feel that doubly if we're women, um, because we struggle with not being enough. Um, so I just wanted to thank, thank you, Caitlin, for that reminder that we are enough and things do happen when they're intended to. So if you enjoyed Caitlin and you want to listen to her podcast, the rural woman podcast, and I really hope you do. Uh, the link is right in the show notes along with Caitlin's social media handles. So if you are near Western Canada, um, uh, British Columbia and, uh, Manitoba and, um, Saskatchewan, uh, I also am including the link to, um, the young agrarians as well. That's really where they do most of their work. And, um, uh, with matching and so there the link is right in the show notes um, and as a reminder I have a course called five star Farm Stays, starting February 13th it's going to run for four weeks as a live cohort together um, if you've been somebody who's been thinking about hosting overnight stays and you're feeling like you just you don't know what you don't know <laughs> this course is really aimed at you um we do have resources about things like, you know, insurance and safety and some of those nuts and bolts. But really the meat of what we cover in the course are things like the time commitment and how to manage your time, how to get great reviews that keep guests coming back and why that's really good for your cash flow and um what some of the startup costs might be for you to consider um depending upon the model that you're looking at. Um so lots of the resources are recorded so that you can watch them at night and um, work through some of the materials on your own on your own time, um, but it's really important to me to create um, the opportunity to share and have connection with each other. And so we also have a pr- private Facebook group where that's still pretty flexible um, depending on people's time and ability to, to connect. Uh, and then we also host weekly live Q and a sessions on any topic. Um, and then we have some calls with special guests as well, where you can ask anything that you'd like. So that's all within the five-star Stays course. Um, if this is something that interests you, there's a link with more info right in the show notes. And there is a code to get a deep discount if you register before February 1st. So I hope that you hop right to it and you join us um and please if this is not a thing that interests you but is a thing that you know somebody please forward this the course to them and the podcast to them because sharing is caring anyway thanks everyone and i hope you have a great week and i will see you next time here's a little music to play us out